Hi, my name is Marizal and I will be your online host for today. If this is your first time visiting us, we would love to hear from you. You can text NEW to 604-285-5770 and we will mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. We are thrilled to have you here at Thrive. Parents, remember to visit mythrive.info forward slash Thrive Kids for the weekly kids activities including the worship video and the teaching video and some discussion questions for the whole family. We also have the Zoom class every Sunday from 10.45am to 11.15am. At Thrive Kids, we make sure that the kids have an amazing experience online, just like their parents. Christmas is my most favorite holiday of the year. All the Christmas lights and decorations are one of my favorites. And seeing the joy on everyone's faces when we open our gifts on Christmas Eve. When does your family open Christmas gifts? Do you open Christmas gifts on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day? Share your tradition with us to simply write Eve for Christmas Eve or Day for Christmas Day. seeing you here at Thrive. Take a selfie of yourself watching from home and share it on your social media. Don't forget to add hashtag Thrive Church Online. I'm sure you are all excited about our new Financially Fit series. Join me by listening to this powerful message from Pastor JB. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Thrive Church Online. My name is JB. I'm one of the pastors here at Thrive, and I am so excited to welcome you to an amazing Sunday here at Thrive Church Online. If this is your first time here, we especially want to welcome you. You are what we call our VIP, and we especially want to welcome you. In fact, we've got a special gift to give to you just to say thanks so much for taking time out of your weekend to be with us. If you want to go to mythrive.info and touch the button new to Thrive, we'd love to connect you with your very own stainless steel Thrive Church water bottle just to say thanks so much for being a part of our community. Thanks so much for being a part of Thrive Church online today. In fact, we've got a saying here at Thrive, which is a welcoming is not just what we do, it's who we are. And so with that in mind, would you welcome one another to church today? In your chat rooms, if you're sitting beside someone right now, would you just welcome another, maybe give them a high five, a handshake, a, a warm hug, or maybe if it's an air hug or an air high five or an air handshake, that's all right as well. Whatever's appropriate, Let's welcome another to the house of God today. You guys are a beautiful church inside and out. And a big welcome to each and every one of you here to Thrive Church Online today. I promised at the end of November that we'd give you an update as to where we're at and what our plans are when it comes to meeting together as a church. Well, we are going to continue to abide by and cooperate with the government restrictions right now on social gatherings. Right now with the second wave of COVID-19 going on, uh, we have plans simply to continue going on the way we have been, meeting here online 
online, meeting here at Thrive Church Online. We can't wait for the day that we can meet face-to-face on-site together again, but it looks like we're going to have to wait a little bit more. We don't know when that's going to be, but we're going to make the most of our time together, whether it's online or on-site. And I just want to encourage you, you want to be connected here on Sundays. And I encourage you, don't just be meeting with us on Sundays, but be part of a small group as well. You're going to find that if you're only meeting on Sundays, it's tough to get connected with a lot of people. It's tough to build deep relationships. But if you get connected with a small group, it'll really help you to have a sense of community in a time when a lot of people are feeling disconnected or lonely or even depressed. We need to stick together. Amen. And so with that in mind, encourage you to join a small group. You can go to mythrive.info and sign up for one. If you already are part of a small group, but it's been a while since you've shown up to one, I encourage you, don't be disconnected. Make sure you're part of that small group. Make sure you're getting into a bit of community because we all need that to stay strong together. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's stay connected. Let's stay connected. Praise God. We're going to make the most out of the season. We don't know how long the season online exclusive is going to be, but we're going to make the most out of every moment we have. And with that in mind, with Christmas just around the corner, I'm here to let you know that on December the 19th, we got something very, very special for the kids, for all of our Thrive kids and their neighbors, their family members, their friends. We have something called Santa's Workshop happening on December the 19th, Saturday. It's going to be an amazing time on Zoom, Santa's workshop, where kids ages 3 to 11 get to participate in some games, make crafts, sing Christmas carols, and even meet a guy called Santa. If you want to sign up for that, go to mythrive.info for more info, and we would love for you to not just be a part of Santa's workshop, but also invite your friends, people who don't go to church, to be a part of that as well. Christmas is an amazing time to invite people to be a part of what we're doing here at Thrive Church, and so I encourage you to join us for Santa's workshop, all the kids. And the next day, December 20th, we got our Christmas services that we're so excited about that we'll tell you more about later. But turn to your neighbor, give him a high five and say, I look forward to Christmas. I look forward to Christmas. Parents, sign your kids up for Santa's workshop. It's going to be amazing. If you have your Bibles right now, it's time to grab those. If you have a paper Bible like mine, or maybe yours is a device that you download the Bible into, either way is cool. Why don't you hold it up in the air like so, if you can. And this is a fun way for us to get our hearts ready for the message today. We just say this together with me right now? Say this on the screen. Say it with me. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's going to come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs chapter 22. If you're wondering where Proverbs is, it's in the right in the middle of your Bible. Proverbs chapter 22 is where we're going to be today. Proverbs 22 verse 3 is where we're going to start. But let me just begin by saying that, hey, if you are new to Thrive or you're new to church, you've never been to church before, you're new to faith, new to stuff like the Bible or Jesus or Christianity, I just want to say especially to you that we are so thrilled that you're here. And we hope that you'll find that Thrive Church Online is a safe place for you, a place where you can be yourself, a place where you can find some community, maybe even some answers to some of the questions that are on your mind. In fact, if you go to mythrive.info, there on that website, you will find a whole bunch of next steps that you can take 
that will hopefully help you at whatever point in the journey you are in right now. And the fact is, if you want to get connected with community, once again, be part of a small group. You're going to find that when you're part of a small group, it's a safe place. You don't need to be worried about being judged or feeling, you know, like other people are going to judge you in any kind of way. This is something where we are a church full of imperfect people. There's not a single perfect person here at Thrive. The only perfect one is Jesus, and he's the one that we live for. He's the one that we trust in. He's the reason why we come together as a church family, and if you would be part of a small group, it's an opportunity for you to find some community in this very special season. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Well, in May of 2020, just a few months ago, one of Canada's largest market research and analytic companies asked about 1,500 Canadians, in general, what causes you the most stress in your life? And this was done during COVID-19 season. And 1,500 Canadians, they replied to the survey, and they said that the top source of stress for them, the number one, one was money. Second was personal health, third was work, fourth was relationships, but the first was money. They said about 50% of those who responded said that they've lost sleep because of financial worries. 79% of all respondents and 88% of those under age 35 said that at least one aspect of their finances today causes them stress. And when they were asked what aspect, some people said bill payments and expenses, uh, am I saving enough for the future, you know, debt, job and income stability, housing. Eight out of 10 said that they have one, at least one financial regret. And some said that top regret financially was, I wish I started started saving earlier. I wish I started saving more. I wish I'd invested earlier or more wisely. I wish I'd spent less. And finally, they said that about 44% of those who responded to that survey said that COVID-19 has impacted the level of financial stress. And so if you're here today and you're dealing with some financial stress, guess what? You are not alone. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, we're in this together? We're in this together. And that's why we're doing a series here at Thrive. It's called Financially Fit, where we're learning what the Bible says about money and money management. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say financially fit, I don't mean that you can all of a sudden become a billionaire if you just believe. If you just believe that you'll sit on the biggest hill, sitting in the biggest mansion, or riding the nicest car. I'm not saying that. We're not talking about some health and wealth prosperity gospel here, but we're saying this is that the Bible promises that when we do things God's way, when we put our hope in God and get serious about living life and managing what we have, including our money, the way that God tells us to, the Bible promises that we will prosper, that we will be blessed. And what does financially fit look like? When we talk about being financially fit, we mean spending less than you make. We're talking about being healthy financially. We're talking about not suffocating under a load of debt or worry or stress because of money. When we talk about financially fit, we're talking about being able not not just to make ends meet, but to live well, to take care of yourself and your family, to be able to provide for your future generations through saving, that you're giving both to your church and to other causes that mean something to you as well. That is called financially fit. Everyone say financially fit. And see, originally we actually planned for this series called Financially Fit to be a two-week mini-series. But the fact is, we and we've been thrilled about this, is that we've gotten so many questions from people about money and money management that we've decided to actually extend the series across parts of next month in December. And so we're not ending the series today, but into December, on December 13 and December 27, we're going to give you episodes three and four of the series. So stay tuned for that. On the other Sundays of December, of course, there's Christmas and also 
getting ready for Christmas as well. But praise God, welcome to Financially Fit. In Financially Fit episode one, what did we learn? We talked about three ways that God wants us to look at money. Having a healthy perspective of money is so very important. We talked about what does that look like. Another thing we talked about last week in episode one is having five habits that lend to financial fitness. Five financial fitness habits that we need to have. And if you missed that episode, I encourage you to go back and check out that episode on our podcast or on our YouTube page. If you've got questions about money or money management, you can also write to info at thrivechurch.ca. But let's get right into it today with episode two of Financially Fit. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Let's read Proverbs 22, verse 3. Proverbs 22, verse 3 in the NLT version says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Would you read that with me again? A big, loud voice that says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. What's the lesson here? Is that while a foolish person doesn't really acknowledge danger when there is danger and just kind of keeps on going blindly. It's the wise person who can spot danger when it's there and do something about it. See, a wise person is proactive. They see danger and they do something about it. Whereas a foolish person just kind of goes idly by, blindly going about their own way as if that danger never existed. And see, since the first step to fixing a problem is recognizing that there is one, today I want to share with you seven financial dangers signs that we need to watch out for if you want to be wise. These are seven financial danger signs that suggest a lack of financial fitness. In a way, you could say that these are seven financial danger signs, which are seven of the biggest mistakes I've seen people make with their money. And unfortunately, these mistakes are quite common. A lot of people make these mistakes, but these mistakes are also avoidable to the point where the Bible you're going to find repeatedly warns us against these seven financial dangers. And if you would take this message to heart and you find that actually as we go through these seven danger signs that some some of them or one of them applies to you, can I just tell you this? Don't panic. Don't worry. Don't feel judged at all. It's not about that. Everyone just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath with me right now. <gasps> okay, one more time. I know it's kind of weird, but do it together. It actually helps. <gasps> All right, good, good, good. See, what we're doing, we're talking about seven financial danger signs, and then we're going to talk about what you can do about it. All right, here we go. Which of these signs do you think might apply to you? Why don't you take some good notes and help find out right now? Number one, financial danger sign number one is that you keep borrowing money from others. You just constantly borrow money from different people, different sources. Now, does the Bible say that borrowing money is wrong? No, it actually doesn't. See, it says you need to be extremely careful when it comes to borrowing money. And why is that? Why be careful when it comes to borrowing money? Look at Proverbs 22, verse 7. It says, the rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. Would you underline those words? The borrower is the slave of the lender. See, why is it that borrowing is something you have to be extremely careful with? It's because when you borrow money from someone else, you become something like their slave. Is that 
you're adding one more master that you owe something to. You're adding one more person that you need to order your life around. You're adding one more person that you are obligated to and need to listen to. And in so doing, you put yourself in a weaker, vulnerable position. That's why the Bible says the borrower is slave to the lender. And God didn't make us to live with so many masters. God made us to be independent and financially free. But when you borrow, you move in the opposite direction of freedom. You get more and more dependent on other people's money and paying them back. Now, does that mean that borrowing is a sin and that you and I should never borrow money, not even to buy a house? No, the Bible isn't saying that. But what the Bible is saying is that you need to be extremely careful with borrowing and you need to avoid debt as much as possible. If you believe that, say amen. And see, you want to treat debt, going into debt, borrowing money as a last resort. And so I would even suggest this, that before you decide to take out a loan, before you decide to borrow money, before you decide to go into debt, there's some questions you need to ask yourself. Questions like, do I really need this loan? Do I really need to borrow this money? Sometimes we almost treat borrowing money as a quick fix, as a band-aid over a problem when it's not the best solution for the problem. You know, sometimes we, 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 we treat the loan as something that will fix it all when actually it just makes the problem worse. That's the first question asked is, do I really need this loan? Another one is this, will I be free from anxiety if I take on this loan? See, you're going to find that debt doesn't just take a financial toll on you. It takes an emotional toll on you. How many of us have ever been up, up awake at night and going, oh, man, I wish I didn't have such a huge debt to pay. Oh, I can't wait until this mortgage is finally done. You know, it, it's one of those things where your, your, your debt will, will take a financial and an emotional toll on your life. Is it worth it? You've got to count the cost. Another question is, how long is this loan for? How high is the interest rate? How much do I need to pay on a regular basis, either weekly or monthly? until it is done? Are there any additional fees that I need to pay? What other terms or conditions do I need to be aware of? Is this the best deal for me? Is there a better alternative somewhere else? What are the risks? Will I finally be a wise steward with the money that I am borrowing? These are all almost like checklist questions you need to ask yourself before you decide to borrow money. Because money, borrowing money is a last resort. You don't want to go there unless you absolutely have to. And if if you're a young person here today and you don't have current loans, you don't have a mortgage to pay, can I encourage you to do this? Make the decision today to say that I'm not going to go into debt unnecessarily. I would rather save and pay for things myself than to play around with debt and borrow other people's money. And that begins with really simple situations. Say when COVID-19 is over and you can finally go back to a restaurant with your friends and you're eating there and, 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 and you're about to order and, and you look at the menu and there's something that's on the menu that, that you can't, can't really afford with what you got. Please don't go, oh, can you spot me 10 bucks? Can you swap me five bucks? Oh, I'll pay you back. I'll pay you back. Yes, yeah, you, you want to be learning to con, you want to learn to be content with what you have and buy only what you can afford. That's part of building good habits. If you believe that, say amen. I mean, you don't want to be dependent on borrowing if you don't have to be. How about something like credit cards? They say there's a there's a a poll by Global News and Ipsos Reid that found that one out of every three Canadians say that their main source of stress is credit card debt. So let's talk about credit cards. Do you have a credit card? Visa, MasterCard, American Express? Which one? See, I, I find this, is that uh, you know, credit cards are so common nowadays. Nowadays, in fact, it's actually tough to do some, some things without a credit card, like you know, whether it's paying for parking, or booking an airplane, or buying something online without a credit card. Credit cards are still more widely accepted than things like PayPal or Interact Online. And so you, you know, in many 
cases, you need a credit card in a lot of situations, but you still got to be aware of the risks that come with using a credit card. See, study after study have actually shown that people with credit cards tend to spend between 23 to 81% more than people who just pay with cash. You know that? Isn't that interesting? I wonder why. I, I, I can guess kind of why. Is that when you pay with a credit card, for some reason it doesn't feel as painful or as real as when you're dishing out cold, hard cash. You know what I mean? In other words, when you pay with cash, you feel the pinch right away. You're like, oh my goodness. But when you pay with a credit card, it's almost like this plastic magic wand, right? Where you know, I, I, just, I just wave it and then I get stuff. Like, boop, thank you, boop. Thank you. Boop. Thank you. Oh, I love my credit card. My best friend. But see, you got to remember this. Whenever you're at a store and someone says, how would you like to pay? And you say, I'm going to pay by credit card. Remember this. You're not actually paying for it. When you use a credit card to pay for something, you're not paying for it yourself. What you're doing is you are borrowing money from the credit card company, whether it's Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and you are saying, pay for me, and I promise to pay you back, Visa. And, and you are making a promise to pay them back, and if you don't pay the credit card company back the full amount that you owe before the due date, a high interest rate of between 20 to 30% is going to apply to what whatever you haven't yet paid. And see, credit companies love it when we miss that date. They love it because it makes borrowing so easy. It makes making money so easy. Here's the thing. Some people, they like using credit cards because of the rewards that they can get. Maybe it's travel, maybe other benefits. If, if the fee that you're paying for that credit card is not as much as the rewards you can get, maybe that's something to consider. But here's the thing. As long as you can pay the credit card company back without ever earning any interest, fine. Use a credit card. But if you cannot use the credit card responsibly, then you got to think twice about using credit so much. See, what's an irresponsible way to use a credit card? It's where you go to the store, maybe online somewhere, you buy something with your credit card. Maybe it's a dress, maybe it's a pair of shoes, maybe it's a toy. And a few weeks later, you get a statement in the mail saying, you have a total balance owing of $100, but the minimum amount you can pay is only $10. And you want know the irresponsible way to use a credit card is to say, okay, I'll just pay the minimum amount. I'll just pay $10 and the rest of it I'm going to pay later. If you choose to do that, high interest ap uh, applies to that $90 and now you're paying way more than you need to for what you have bought. If you believe us, say amen. That's the irresponsible way to use a credit card. Some people even find that they get so used to living that way, just paying the minimum amount and letting everything else accrue interest that eventually they can't pay it off from their bank account anymore. And they actually have to get another credit card to pay off the first credit card and a third credit card to pay off the second credit card. And they get deeper and deeper into debt. They just constantly borrow money. And in so doing, they don't move forward with their financial goals. They just find themselves stuck in a cycle of borrowing money. See, that's an irresponsible way of using a credit card. You know what Another irresponsible way of using a credit card is, is that you use it to withdraw cash. Have you ever done that before? Is that you know that when you take a credit card and you go to the ATM to get cash with your credit card, more likely than not, the moment you get that cash from the ATM using your credit card, there's a fee that applies, interest applies already, there's no grace period, and all of a sudden, you're paying way more for the cash than you need to. See, we got to learn to be wise when it comes to money, Amen. And, and if we can't use a credit card responsibly, you gotta do something about it. There's even some, some friends of mine, they, they, they'll do something kind of extreme. You know what they'll do? They'll actually take their credit card 
And because they, they don't want to use it unless they absolutely have to, do you know what they do? They will actually freeze their credit card in a big block of ice and they'll put it into their fridge. And only when they have to actually take out the credit card, they'll take it out and they can't spend it right away. They can't use it right away. They have to wait for it to melt or they just have to look on the numbers. That, that's, that's, that, that's making it hard for them to use a credit card. Maybe that's what you need to do. The fact is whether it's credit card debt or it's you know, mortgaging your home to get a loan or you know, another bank loan for business, you want to avoid borrowing as much as you possibly can because the borrower is slave to the lender. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Turn your and say, be careful about boring. Be careful about boring. Number two financial danger sign is you often delay payments that you owe. In other words, bills come and you don't pay them on time. You know, taxes come due, you don't pay them on time. You often get notices in the mail saying, this amount is due, you still haven't paid, there's a penalty now. You know, maybe you, know, you, you, said, you, you borrowed something from a friend, and the friend kind of awkwardly says, hey, like, uh, uh, can, can you let me know when you're going to give that back? Oh, so sorry. Oh, I, oh yeah, I, forgot, I totally forgot. Yeah, I'll, I'll pay you back next time, pay you back next time. You know, and and what, what is that? That is you delaying payments that you owe. Look at Romans 13, 7 to 8. It says, give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your tax and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. See, in verse 8, it says, owe nothing to anyone. Does that mean you are not allowed to borrow at all? No, but it's saying this. More literally, it's saying, don't keep on owing people. Don't let a debt remain outstanding. If you have to borrow, borrow, but do so with the plan and the intention of paying it back as soon as possible. If you owe someone, you make sure you pay back as soon as possible. That's called keeping your word. That's called upholding your integrity. If you don't, you're just hurting yourself. You're hurting your reputation. You're hurting the relationship you have with that person. And you're also sinning against God. We need to be careful that we're paying what we owe people when we owe them. If you believe that, say amen. Psalm 37 verse 21 says this. It says, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Proverbs 3.27 says, don't withhold repayment of your debts. Don't say some other time if you can pay now. You want to be people who don't delay giving what we owe to other people. And uh, that's the second financial danger sign. Third financial danger sign. This one is an interesting one. You guarantee the debts of others without thinking. Have you ever done that before? You guarantee the debts of others without thinking. If you're wondering, what does that mean? Well, let me show you right now. I'm going to ask a couple of volunteers from our staff to come up. I'm going to ask, uh, uh, I'm going to ask Amy. I'm going to ask Ryan to come up. Could you give them a big hand right now? All right, Amy's going to come up first. And I just want you to picture this, all right, uh, is that uh, say I am in need of money. And I've gone through my checklist and I'm realizing, oh man, I, I really want to get a loan. I, I decide I need a mortgage. I, I, need, I, need to, I need some money. So I go to... Hello Kitty Mortgage Corporation, all right? And I say to Hello Kitty Mortgage Corporation, Hello Kitty Mortgage Corporation, uh, I would like to borrow some money. Uh, is that okay? And Hello Kitty Mortgage Corporation says, that's fine on one condition. You need a personal guarantor. And I'm like, Okay, uh, and so I call up my buddy Ryan. I'm hey hey Ryan, can you come over to the bank right now? Can you come over to this company right now? I just need you to be my personal guarantor. Yeah, can you just sign right there? Just sign right there. It's just you're just my personal guarantor. Thank thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And what happens is that Hello Kitty Mortgage Corporation gives me the money that I'm borrowing. All right, and I've got the money now. And say something happens to me. 
This is a nice monopoly money, by the way. Like, if something happens to me, maybe I can't pay back. Maybe I run away. Maybe I pass away. Something happens to me such that I cannot pay back. And so now, Hello Kitty Mortgage Corporation, they can't go after me, but do you know who they can go after for the full entire amount? They can go after the personal guarantor. Can you see that face right now? The next time you're asked to be a personal guarantor, I want you to remember this face. This is the face of a personal guarantor, all right? All right, can we give our volunteers a big hand together right now? Thank you so much. Remember that face the next time you're asked to be a personal guarantor who's asked to guarantee the debts of someone else or just remember Proverbs 11:15. What does it say? It says there is danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. Proverbs 22:26 says something similar. What does it say? It says don't agree to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for someone else. Finally Proverbs 17:18 says it's poor judgment to guarantee another person's debt or put up security for a friend. Don't guarantee another person's debt. The fact is this, it is something that can bite you in the back without you knowing. I've seen people whose lives, their financial lives have been ruined because they unwittingly do so. You know, in credit card companies, sometimes they'll allow you to do this. Say you have a credit card with a credit card company like MasterCard, and they can say, well, well, we want to help your friend or help your relative have a credit card account too. Is that, is that good? They give them a credit card? Oh, oh, sure. And, and they'll put the credit card under your name and give the credit card to your friend. And what, what does that mean? It means that that person can spend all they want. And if they can't repay, it gets on your bill. See, what is that? That is called a personal guarantee, or some people call it being a co-signer or being a covenantor. Do not agree to be a personal guarantor. Even if you love that person very much, unless you are already joined to the hip, by the hip, legally to them, and even then you don't need to think twice, you don't want to guarantee other people's debts. I know people who've ruined themselves because of it. Look at Proverbs 6, 1 to 5. It says, my child, if you've put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you've trapped yourself by your agreement and, ca- and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride. Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. In other words, this is serious business, guys. If you have accidentally, unwittingly been a personal guarantor for someone else's debt, one of the best things you can do, and you don't want to be that personal guarantor, you need to talk to that person, that friend of yours, that, uh, that you're, whose debt you're guaranteeing, and say, hey, we can't keep, I, I can't keep doing this. this. This is not what I wanted to do. I, and, and, and what you do is you together go to that company and say, please, is there a way we can get me off? And we'll do maybe something else, but get me off of that. It's about setting yourself free. Don't be financially hamstrung because of a personal guarantee. Hey, and by the way, if you're planning on getting married one day, maybe you're on your way to marriage, maybe you're engaged, let me ask you this. Before you get married, wouldn't it be wise to ask your spouse this question? Hey, before, honey, before we sign this marriage contract, are there any other contracts that I should know about? Um, hopefully not another marriage contract, but also, th- like, you know, are there personal guarantee contracts that you've signed? Are there debts that you owe that I don't know about? Because not knowing these things and going to marriage can be a dangerous thing. How much better to have that slightly uncomfortable conversation beforehand so you know what you're getting into? Amen. Amen. That's danger sign number three. You guarantee the debts of others without thinking. Number four, you lend large amounts of money without thinking. 
Well, this is about 12 years ago that this happened. There was a girl who came up to me, and she said, and she looked really distraught, and she was practically in tears, and she was like, you know, JB, my boyfriend broke up with me. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. And she said, not just that, but I lent him $30,000. And, and I was like, $30,000? And I said, like, did, did, you, you know, get, did you get him to sign a contract? She's like, no. Did, did you get legal advice before you do this? No. D did you have a guarantor from? No. Do you love him? Not anymore. And, and now she's in the hole for $30,000. I don't know if she ever got that money back. And what is that? It's because you lent money without thinking. And see, you got to be extremely careful about lending money. If it's a big amount, especially, you want to make sure that you have the right protections in place. Otherwise, you could be shooting yourself in the foot and more. Oh, but JB, doesn't the Bible say that we need to lend to anybody who asks and don't worry about repayment? Well, let's look at that right now. Luke chapter 6, verse 34 to 35, Jesus says, read it with me. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. See, what is Jesus saying? What are we to do with a verse like this. Does this mean that we should never lend money with interest? Does this mean we should never be in the lending business? Does this mean that you should work, you should never work for a bank, never work for a credit union because they make most of their money by lending with interest? Does that mean you should never charge interest when you loan yourself? No. See, what it means is this. Keep in mind the context of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is talking about what love looks like. Jesus talking about what it looks like to love others, and in particular, what God's love is like. He's saying that love is giving without strings attached. He's saying that love is giving without having this constant expectation of being repaid. And see, that is God's love for you and for me. God loves you that way. It is this amazing, unconditional love. And the greatest example of that is that when we owed the biggest debt to God that we couldn't repay, God didn't strike us out. He didn't call some you know, debt collector to, 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 to beat us up. He didn't abandon us or quit on us. Instead, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins, no strings attached. He gave unconditionally his love because that's what love does. But see, here's the thing. Is Jesus giving us a, a, a business model for how you should manage your money? No, he's not. See, as if you should always lend money without ex expecting repayment. You should always lend money, no questions asked. Anyone asks money, just give it to them. No, see, that would be foolish. He's talking about what God's love is like, and if you want to be more like God, what it looks like. But see, Matthew 5.42 says this way, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Those are also Jesus' words. And see, what is Jesus saying? Jesus says, don't turn away from someone who wants to borrow from you. Does that mean you have to give them exactly what they're asking for? No, it doesn't. Don't turn away means just don't completely dismiss them. See, I remember I was 19 years old, and I was actually working at a credit union at that time. And I remember uh, I was helping to lock up, and I walked out of the credit union, and all of a sudden this guy, this stranger I'd never met before, he comes up to me, uh, and he says, hey, can I have some money? I was like, uh... What, what do you need the money for? So, oh, I, I need to take the bus. Uh, the, the, the bus stop is right here, and I, I need to go to Surrey. And I was like, oh, okay, uh, how much do you need? Uh, how about 20 bucks? 
And I was like, uh, you need 20 bucks to go take the bus? He's like, uh, and, and, and we started to have this conversation. And at the end of this long conversation, where he's trying to understand what he was going to use the money, I ended up giving him something like 20 bucks. And then after I gave him the money and he started to walk away really fast, I had this really weird feeling. And you know what I did? I decided to follow him. So I start following, I follow him about a couple blocks. He doesn't know I'm following him. And, and, he, and he gets to this corner of an intersection where there's a convenience store. He walks into the convenience store and he comes out with a bike and he's on his bike and he starts pedaling in the opposite direction. And I'm like, oh my goodness, hey, hey, what are you doing? And I, 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 he, he didn't hear me. I ran to the convenience store. I talked to the convenience store owner. I was like, hey, do you know this guy who's just on his bike? He just came out of your store with his bike and I just gave him 20 bucks and he just ran away. And he said, oh yeah, man, that, that guy, he's got a major drug addiction. And so, you know, like he does that all the time to people, you know, and, and, and I guess you were just his latest, his latest victim kind of thing. I was like, oh my goodness. And you know, I, I learned something from that experience is that when someone asks you for money, sometimes what they really need is not necessarily money. And maybe what they need is something else. And see, nowadays, that's why in each of our cars in our home, we'll actually keep a stash of food in our cars. So when there's someone in need and it looks like they're hungry or that it looks like they, uh, you know, don't have a whole lot that we, if we don't feel comfortable giving money, sometimes we still do, but if we don't feel comfortable giving money, we'll give them a granola bar instead. We'll give them something else that we feel comfortable uh, giving, knowing that it won't be used in the wrong way. And see, for my own peace of mind, if I ever lend money to a friend or a relative, I want to pick an amount where if I never get that money back, it's okay. And that's just for my own peace of mind. That's maybe a little bit going closer to Matthew 5.14. But that does not mean you lend to anybody all the time without thinking. you got to be careful. Turn to me and say, be careful. Be careful. Be thoughtful in how you lend to others so you don't put yourself at risk. This is helpful in this place so far. Financial danger number five. Financial danger number five is you're obsessed with get-rich-quick schemes. What's a get rich quick scheme, a GRQ. A get rich quick scheme is where you will get this advertisement, maybe online or on TV or you know somewhere on social media, and it says, oh hey, with almost no money down, you can make thousands of dollars and not have to work at all or do very little work, and you will make that money in no time. You can be a millionaire in just a couple months. And, you know, and, and if you want to look for get rich, quick schemes, all you have to do is look in your junk email. I've, I've got a few. I, I just pulled it up yesterday. I got one email that says, uh, you know, you're so lucky. Blessings are coming your way. We asked a buddy of yours to invite a few trusted people to earn more than $2,000 in a short time span, and you made it on the list. This invite means you'll be able to produce more funds by investing in a top-notch platform for as low as $250. Obtain extra cash from now on by accepting your invitation below before it expires in a matter of hours. And then get the email again the next day. And see, here's, here's the thing, is do I accept this invite? Do I, do I, oh, sorry, I gotta go guys. I gotta, I, I gotta get, I gotta make some money here. No, of course not. This is a scam. This is a get rich quick scheme. Here's another one, here's another one. Uh, this one, another email in my junk email, it says this one is, now this one's allegedly from Best Buy, but it's not from Best Buy. It's, it's sent from some weird email address and it says this, welcome to Best Buy's iPhone beta testing program. 
We want to offer you an iPhone 12 Pro to find bugs, and you can keep it after testing. Fill out the short survey, pay the minimum shipping costs, and the phone will be yours. Attention, due to the high popularity of the product, this queue will be closed soon. Click here to continue. Should I click? Should I click? No, of course not. That's a get-rich-quick scheme. It is a scam. And you might be, oh, of course it's a scam, but you'll be surprised how many billions of dollars are taken because of scams like these kind of GRQs, get-rich-quick schemes. Proverbs 13.11 says this, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Proverbs 21.5 says, steady plodding brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. I like that. Steady plotting, just doing the right things over and over and over again. Not in some sexy way just of, of just like, you know, like, oh, super fast. In no time, you become a millionaire. No, it's not about that. So you're going to find that you know, studies have shown that the vast, vast majority of people who become millionaires and billionaires didn't get rich quick. They actually got rich slow. Is that it's actually a rarity when someone becomes this overnight millionaire, it's, it's because most of the time you're going to find between the tortoise and the hare, the people who make the money are more often the tortoise than the hare. They're the ones who take things slowly, and they just keep on doing the same, not so interesting things like saving and, and, and investing wisely and do the same things over and over and over. And, and it's not overnight, it's not in three months, it's not in one year, but over 10, 20, 30 years, they built a significant amount of wealth while the hair is bouncing up and down, left and right, going for the next big deal and failing time and time again. See, that's why it is unwise to put your hope in things like casino games or into the lottery as a way to build wealth. You've got better chance of going to the moon than you are of going and winning the lottery. See, God is all about making smart investments. And so what investments should you make? Is it GICs? Is it RSPs? Is it mutual funds? Is it TFSAs? Is it, you know, invest in a private company, start your own thing? Is it, you know, you know invest in shares in a public company? Is it invest in real estate? You know, the, the, the fact is this, there is no one size fits all solution for all of us because we all have different talents, different experiences, different Different, different, so much of, of that is different. But here are a few principles that we can all keep in mind when it comes to investing. You guys ready? Write this down. Number one, investigate before you invest. Investigate before you invest. See, st- in other words, you don't want to go into something that you have no clue how it works. And you're just, oh, yeah, they just told me you're going to make a lot of money. I don't know how, but I, I guess I, I just trust them. No, no, don't do that. you got to investigate before you invest. You want to stick ideally to what you know and be clear about what's going on, be clear about how it works, be clear about the risks. If you can't explain it, don't put your money into it. Proverbs 23, 23 says this, get the facts at any price and hold on tightly to all the good sense you can get. It's about investigating before you invest. Another one is this, never invest on emotion. See, scam artists, they love to play on emotion and get you all excited and all touched and all inspired and, and, and hoping you won't think it through so they can get your money quick. Don't do that. Never invest on emotion. If it's going to be a good deal today, it'll be a good deal tomorrow as well. Don't give it into just emotion alone. Another one is this. Never risk borrowed money. In other words, don't borrow money from someone else to invest for yourself. 
All right, that is because if because what happens there, you could have double trouble. The investment could fail, and now you are in the hole to have to pay someone else. That is a bad situation to be in. Another one is this: always test the idea with other people. Don't just kind of you know silo, kind of quarantine your decision making and just say you know I'm I'm just going to do this myself, my own way. I'll figure it out myself. No, you want to consult others who are not emotionally attached to the opportunity and say, hey, what what do you think of this? Does this make sense? Am I missing something here? Another one is this: make big financial decisions slowly. Don't let anyone rush you into buying that house or buying that investment. You need to take things slow. Turn to him and say, take it slow. Take it slow. Proverbs nineteen twenty two says it this way. It says, "It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way." That's talking about investments. Don't go for you know get rich quick schemes, but you want to invest wisely. Turn to him and say, "You got to invest wisely." You got to invest wisely. Financial danger six, and we're not going to go into a lot of time、uh, into it because we talked about it last week. Is you consistently spend more than you make. Is that you? Know, how much you're spending is always more than how much you're making, and then almost like month by month, you see your bank account getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller because you haven't controlled your spending. Uncontrolled spending is a is a is a financial danger sign. It's a serious one. Proverbs twenty one twenty. What we looked at last week says, "Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it." Turn to him and say, "Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. Don't be stupid." Number seven, you don't tithe or save. Is it? See, here's here's the thing. You know, in God's way of managing money, you're going to find that the first two steps are number one, I give to God first. That's called tithing, and then number two, I pay myself. That's called saving. It's you tithe and you save as the first two things you do. If you keep skipping these two steps and you go straight into just spending on other things, you know what's going to happen? Two things are going to happen. Number one, you're not going to have resources for things like emergencies, big purchases, retirement. Your kid's future. Number two, you're not giving God the room to bless your finances because you're not obeying Him in the area of tithing. You and I, we need to watch out for this financial danger sign and say that no matter what, I'm committed to paying God first and paying myself second, so I don't get into financial trouble. If you believe that, say Amen. Leviticus 27:30 says, "A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to." The Lord. That's about tithing, giving God your first ten percent. Proverbs twenty-one twenty says, "The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets." See, these are the seven financial danger signs we've talked about today. Number one, you keep borrowing from others. Number two, you often delay payments that you owe. Number three, you guarantee other people's debts. Number four. You lend money without thinking about it. Number five, you're obsessed with get-rich-quick schemes. Number six, you consistently spend more money than you make. Number seven, you don't tithe or save. If any one of these danger signs applies to you today, again, I don't want you to panic. I don't want you to worry. But I need to tell you, you need to start making adjustments to protect yourself. Remember the verse from Proverbs twenty-two, verse three, that we started with. What does it say? It says, "A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences." If you can see a danger sign up ahead on the road that you're on right now financially, the wise, prudent thing to do is not just to see it, but to do something about it. Take. Precautions. Don't just go blindly forward as if nothing's going to happen. It's all going to be okay. I trust God when you're not doing things God's way. 
got to be careful and see what precautions should you take? What adjustments should you make? It'll in many ways depend on the specific situation that you're in. But here are five steps that I'll really quickly tell you that generally apply to all of us. Steps to take in the right direction. Once you've seen these danger signs, number one, make a debt repayment plan and stick to it. Make a debt repayment plan and stick to it. See, if you're in a lot of debt right now, the last thing you need is more debt. And the solution is not to cover one debt with another debt, one loan with another loan. That's just going to get you in a vicious cycle that it's a tough hole to climb out of. What you need is a plan to get out, not with debt, but with income. And what you need to do is make a list of all the debts that you owe. And you make a list of all of them so you can see them all there. And one by one, like a lion, you're going to go after each one of these debts and you're going to eliminate them. You're going to hunt them down and you're going to take them out. And see, remember this, you didn't get into debt overnight. So don't expect to get out of debt overnight. You need to move carefully, you need to move deliberately, but you also need to be patient about it because it's not going to happen right away. But if you would do it and you'd be persistent, you'd be disciplined, you don't give up, you, 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 you save, you, you, you cut some spending, and you're diligent about it, more and more you're going to find there's stuff, there's money I can apply to this loan until family, finally, I can take that off for good. Proverbs 21 verse 5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Just think how much freer you're going to feel when that debt, you can completely cross it out and say, it's gone. Wouldn't that be awesome? You'll be, oh, my chains are gone. I've been set free. That student loan has no hold on me, right? It's because you're setting yourself free with a debt repayment plan and sticking to it. Number two, Second step in the right direction, set controls on your spending. Set controls on your spending. You want to reduce or eliminate expenses where you can. Sometimes it's tough to eliminate. You just have to reduce, but do what you can to control your spending. You want to cut down on unnecessary expenditures and apply it toward bringing down debt as quickly as you can over time until you can check it off the list. And part of that is what we talked about last week, using a B-U-D-G-E-T, a budget to control your spending. Oh, but JB, I just don't like setting limits on myself. You need to. That's because part of growing up is learning to put healthy limits on yourself. Part of growing up is learning to put healthy limits on yourself, whether it's limits in the way you manage your time or limits in the way you manage your emotions, or limits in the way you manage your words, or limits in the way you manage your money. If you can't put limits on yourself, it means you haven't fully matured. And if you don't put limits on yourself, guess what? One day, someone else is going to put those limits on you, whether you like it or not. And that limit might be, sorry, we can't do business with you anymore. Sorry, your money is not welcome here. Sorry, I'm leaving. Or sorry, sir, this is your jail cell. You can't go beyond this boundary. It just depends. But one day, if you don't set limits on yourself, someone else is going to set limits on you. Another thing, if you don't put limits on your spending today, you're going to limit your financial power tomorrow. And see, whether today or tomorrow, the fact is you're going to put limits on yourself one way or the other, so you might as well do it intentionally. You might as well do it that in a way that will help you for the long term. Because whether you like it or not, you're limiting yourself one way or the other. You spend today, you don't have it tomorrow. You save it today, you've got it for tomorrow. If, you want, if you're going to put limits on, you might as well do it purposefully and with a plan. Amen. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. It's about setting controls, self-control in the area of spending. Praise God. Number three, third step in the right direction. Get good advice before lending money. 
Get good advice before signing a contract. Get good advice before you make an investment. Don't just do it on your own. Don't quarantine your decision-making process, but get good advice. Proverbs 20, 18 says, plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. Number four, realize that nothing can take place, take the place of discipline and hard work. Really, there is no quick way to lasting wealth. There isn't. There isn't. The, the fact is nothing, no matter how much you want to make easy money, the fact is that it, nothing takes the place of being disciplined and working hard. You need to to get there. That's, it's the only road there. Proverbs 14.23 says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Finally, fifth step in the right direction, trust God to bless you as you do things His way. Trust God that as you seek his kingdom first and take seriously what he says about how to live life and how to manage money, that when you do so, he will bless you and you will have more than you could imagine. You'll have all that you need. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Those are five different ways that we can take steps in the right direction. Are you in need of God's wisdom when it comes to money management today? Has it been helpful for you today? Well, I'm going to want to end by giving you an opportunity to respond to God because we believe that how you respond to God and his word is just as important as what you've actually heard. So I wanted to just give you an opportunity to respond to God by praying a prayer with me right now. See, at Thrive, we make it a habit to give people an opportunity to receive Jesus at the end of each service. It's because at the end of the day, no matter how much money stresses us out, the ultimate problem that we have in life is not just about financials, it's about the spiritual. It's that when we had no way of reaching God, when each of us had gone our own way, when we decided to do our own thing, not God's way, but our way, that that separated us from God. That attitude called sin separated us from a God that we cannot have anything to do with, not now, not later. But see, because God didn't want to be apart from us, because he saw the debt that we owed and how we could never repay it on our own, God did the most amazing thing by showing us an incredible love by sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that our debt could be fully repaid. Jesus paid the price that we could not pay so that we could have forgiveness, so we could have hope, so we could have peace. Not only did he die on the cross, but on the third day he rose again from the grave to show that death and sin have no hold over him. And if you place your trust in Jesus, the Bible says you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. You have security about where you'll go after you die. And you have the best that's yet to come. And so if that's you today and you realize that you, well, you want that, you want God's forgiveness, you want that relationship with Jesus that he paid for so that you don't have to pay for it. He paid for it already. It's not about what you have to do. It's what Jesus has already done for you. If you want to receive that today, I encourage you just to do this is wherever you are, whatever, wherever you're watching the service right now, it doesn't matter if there's other people there. It's just between you and God right now. If you realize that you need God's forgiveness for sin and you realize that you want this relationship with Jesus that he made possible on the cross for you and for me, then why don't you do this with me? We'll just pray this prayer with me right now. You can say, dear Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, that you rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please come in, forgive me of my sins, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you. In Jesus' name, I pray. 
Amen. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, the Bible says that you are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of heaven. And the best is yet to come. And to congratulate you and to encourage you and to help you unpack this awesome, beautiful prayer that you just prayed. Uh, we've got a gift they want to give you, some resources to encourage you. You can click that link that says, I commit my life to Jesus, or you can text the word BELIEVE to 604-285-5770, or you can go to mythrow.info and press the button, I believe, and you can get to those uh, that gift and those encouragement, uh, encouraging resources for you. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's put together right now. Big congratulations to those who made that decision today. Praise God. Finally, those of you who are here and you are experiencing some financial stress today, we wanna to pray for you right now as well. And see, I really believe that peace comes not just when we make Jesus our CEO, but when we make Jesus our CFO. When we make him not just you know, the one in charge of life generally, but we give him lordship, kingship, authority over our finances. Make him your CFO, your chief financial officer. And if you, need, if you realize you need to do that in a specific area of your life, maybe when it comes to debt, when it comes to borrowing, when it comes to saving, when it comes to tithing, when it comes to how you look at money, when it comes to maybe one or more of the financial danger signs we've talked about today, or one or more of the steps we've talked about, about taking your money in the right direction. If that's you and you realize you need to make Jesus the CFO of your life today, why don't you lift your hand to God as well right now? And let the, let, let the height of your hands reflect how much you need him right now. Let the height of your hands just reflect you just reaching for God and expressing your faith right now. Don't worry about your neighbor because it doesn't concern them. If you want to make Jesus your CFO and ask him to take lordship over that specific area of your finances that you're thinking about right now, why don't you just lift up your hand to God and in your own words right now, don't wait for me to stop talking. You just start talking to God right now and just say, Jesus, I make you my CFO. Jesus, I make you the Lord over this area of my life. I make you Lord over my debt. I make you Lord over my borrowing situation. I make you Lord over the way I'm saving or not saving right now. I make you Lord over you know how I use my money. I want to make you Lord over the way I look at money. Whatever it is that you need Christ's lordship on when it comes to your finances, would you start talking to God right now? Let's make Jesus our CFO and just appoint him to that position right now because he deserves that position. Would you do that right now? Just start talking to God from your heart, in your own words. Just start talking to God today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Maybe your burdens in your heart that uh, you've been carrying all week that you haven't let go of, you can give it to God right now. Say, God, I give you that burden. God, I give you that issue. God, I give you that uncertainty. Whether it's financial or otherwise, you can give it to God because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's listening. He's here. You just give that to him right now. Give him that issue. Give him that burden. Give him that uncertainty. Give him that worry. Give it to him right now. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. Just give it to him right now. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, your word says in Jeremiah chapter 29, says that you know the plans you have for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, plans to give us hope and a future. And you say after that, right after that, you say, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Father, we recognize that, you know, a lot of us, we want your prosperity. We want your blessing. But sometimes we don't want to seek you with all our heart. And we recognize that that's not the way to do it, that if we want your blessing in our lives, that is about doing things your way. 
It's about putting our hope in you, not just in the way we say it or just going to church, but it's about really taking seriously what you say about how to manage our finances. And so God, I pray for every single person here. You know the details of their situation. And I pray for them today that you would help them to put their hope in you, to not just trust in themselves, in their own cleverness or plans, but to trust in you that when they seek your kingdom first, you will add everything that they need. We thank you so much today that because we have Jesus Christ who died on the cross and who rose again from the grave, that we've got hope for tomorrow, a hope that is bigger than COVID-19, a hope that is bigger than any tough season might be in, a hope that is contagious that we can spread to the people around us. We thank you so much today for this chance to be in your presence, to be with your people, and that we can spend this time being reminded of who's most important and how to live for Jesus, our Savior and King. And so we lift you up, Jesus Christ. We say you're the name above every name. You're the king above every king. You are CEO. You're our CFO. You're everything we need. And we worship you. We give you praise. We thank you in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout in this place together right now? Oh, come on, there's more than that. Give God all of your praise in this place. Praise God. Praise God. Well, as we close off our service, we're going to hand the time to our worship band to lead us in a song. Let's continue to worship God by giving our faithful tithes, our generous offerings. Know that when we seek God's kingdom first, he adds what? He adds everything we need. So let's give our very best to God. You can go to mythrive.info to give, and let's go to our worship team now to lead us in a song. Let's give our very best to God right now.
Let's play together right now. Oh, come on. I know there's more to you than that. Give God all of your praise today. Amen. Amen. Let's pray one last time. Let me pray for you today. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much that because of you, we always have hope. That there is no hole that we find ourselves in that is too deep for you to dig us out of. We thank you so much that there's no situation too dark that your light can't shine through it. And we so thank you so much today that because of you, we've got hope for tomorrow. And we just pray all of your blessing, your peace, your power, your presence, your rest, wisdom, faith, joy, hope, healing, comfort, and your Holy Spirit to fill every single person until we next meet again. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That brings us to a close here at Thrive Church Online. Be sure, kids, to sign up for Santa's workshop coming up on December 19. Praise God, Christmas is right around the corner, but our Financially Fit series is not done. We're doing another one on December 13, December 27. Next week, something really special going on. You don't want to miss it. Praise God, the best is yet to come. We love you guys. Have an awesome Sunday, a great start to the week. Have a great week, everybody. The best yet to come. Love you guys. Thank you for the powerful message, Pastor JB. It is indeed a message we can take with us in the week to follow. Now for the announcements. If this is your first time visiting us, we would love to hear from you. Text NEW to 604-285-5770 and we want to connect with you and we will mail you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle. If you made the important decision to receive Jesus Christ, let us know by texting BELIEVE to 604-285-5770. We want to let you know that all of us at Thrive are celebrating the decision you've made. We also prepared a gift that includes a series of videos that may answer some of your questions about Christianity. And we hope that it will guide you on your new journey with Jesus Christ. If you would like to get baptized or find out more about baptism, go to mythrive.info forward slash baptism. Ho, ho, ho. Christmas is just around the corner. We have prepared this special event for the children to celebrate Christmas virtually this year. Santa's workshop on Zoom is happening on Saturday, December 19th from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. This event is for children ages 3 to 11 years old. Children will play games, 
Mycroft, sing Christmas carols, meet and take a virtual picture of Santa. Parents, let your children join in probably the coolest virtual Christmas party in town. Visit mythrive.info forward slash Santa for more information or to purchase a ticket today. If you're not yet part of a small group, I really encourage you to join one today. Coming together for fellowship beyond weekend church services is vital in our development as believers. It is a place where you can get connected with other thrivers, especially during COVID season when we can only meet online. Being in a small group is a crucial part for you to find support and to be prayed for. To sign up for a small group, simply visit mythrive.info today. Last but not least, we invite you to join us next week as we continue the Financially Fit Message series. I am sure you will agree with me that this is indeed a series we all learn from. That is all for the announcements. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure spending this time with you. Have a wonderful week and we will see you again next week at Thrive Church Online. Stay blessed and healthy and remember, you are always in our prayers.